Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Dr. Brutt, although a bit belated, and we have people who have reached out to us, where is the discussion about the Svarim Mayed Katan? So here we are. Let's discuss today the name of the Masechta we find in Rishonim, who call it by another name. We're going to discuss about Rashi. If you have the new Eyes Hadar Gemara, you see there's a Rashi in Ksavyar, which to me has been very helpful. We're going to discuss Rishonim. We're going to have a discussion today about Mechon Harry Fischel. We're also going to discuss Chalamayir, Shemitah, however very important. The discussions about the Sfarim and Avelos and whether the, the discussion out there about people who are mafakfake and learning Mayir Katan because it's Avelos, talks about Misa. That's a message I'm going to be a separate discussion, which we hope to be able to provide in the next week or two. Rabbi Brat, how are you today? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so let's get going with the name of the Masechta. Okay, so first we have... Most people know the Masechta as its name, Mayikatan. However, we find that some people refer to it as Masechta's Mashkin. Okay, now, so first, one, Ramatisio Strashon points to Rambam that refers to it as, I think he calls, says that the Rambam refers to it in some places as Masechta's Mashkin. But the... Ali Tamar, from from which I've quoted in the past on Ma'id um, Katan, he has a piece where he shows that it's possible. Some people actually called it even Ma'id, um, not as Ma'id Katan, not as Mashkin. Okay. However, the question is, I'm, I'm mentioning that people call it Mashkin. Who calls it Mashkin, and um, what is the, even the significance of calling it Mashkin? So, if, as interesting as it is, as, as boring as it is, it might sound. A fellow, um, Yaakov Spiegel, wrote a book, uh, wrote many books actually, but one of his books is called Amudim Betolda Sefer Havri. Just to see it, it's, it's, it looks like this. And in one of the volumes, he has a whole, a bunch of pages where he literally checked how numerous, numerous Rishayim refer to the Masechta. And he comes to the conclusion that Ashkenaz Rishayim, many of them call it Mayukatan, um, Provence Rishayim call Mayit Katan, Svarg Rishayim some call Mayit Katan, sometimes you'll find that they do call it Mashkin, as I mentioned earlier with Matis Yostrashon points to some Rambams, and then he says that um, the people we do find, for example, Rishayim of Italy, they many times refer to it as Mashkin. Okay? You'll ask me why in the world is this important, I'll just mention very briefly, Sometimes, especially in more recent years, you want to uncover, we find a manuscript and we don't know who it is. It doesn't have any, and but it's believed to be a Rishon. We don't know, we, we simply don't, it, does, it doesn't say on the manuscript who it was or who wrote it. So they, so people who try to figure this out, they, they try to look for all types of clues to identify the author. Sometimes these type of clues could help narrow down the search. For example, if let's say we see that the whole time he's referring to Mike Cotton as Mashkin, it might help to look, oh, he might be an Italian region, um, and then somehow through that, it might narrow down the searches to figure it out. But okay, this is just a side point um, just to begin the discussion of today about Mike Cotton. Okay, excellent. So now let's get to Rashi. I know we had a discussion about Rashi when we were discussing Masechus Tainus. But I think in Mayur Katan, the discussion is a little more in-depth and more wide-ranging. Correct. 
correct. So to, to say at the outset, I am definitely not going to spend the next two hours to speak and mention all the different possibilities and the back and forths about it, but I will try in the next few minutes to briefly mention some of the highlights of the discussions about this um, fascinating question. Okay, so to, what's the first thing to mention is that as opposed to any other Masechta, there are other Masechtas, we discussed Tainus earlier, um, that there's discussions about it, but this Maikatan has the most discussion about it with different possibilities about it, um, what it, who it could be, uh, which we'll see right now. And not only that, um, many people f- feel that they actually did find the right Rashi on Maikatan, whereas, let's say, some other Masechtas, where once it became proven that it's not necessarily Rashi, they never found um the Rashi on the Masechta, which could mean that he didn't write it on, on those Masechtas. Anyway, um, here are the basic ideas about about this topic. Number one, the printing press was first invented in the 1440s. The first Talmud was printed pretty much as a whole Talmud was by Sensino in the 1480s. Then the next time the, the whole Gemara is printed is by Bramberg in the 1520s, and Masechtas Mayukatan is printed in 1522. One or 1522. Okay. Right away, both of these shasin that existed, they included Rashi. Where did they get Rashi from? Okay. So there were existing manuscripts that were out there that they made sure to get to use when they were printing their various Talmuds. Now, for already, now for hundreds of years, no one said boo about Rashi on Mayukatam. So far, the earliest that I'm able to discover that someone even says anything about it, that it's problematic, it might not be him, is the Radal. The Radal, Radav and Luria, in his Perkader Belezer, he has an amazing Hagdama, a few different Hagdamas, in the middle of a discussion. He says, Rashi on the Rif is the real Rashi on Mayukatam, and what's on the Gemara is not Rashi, but it's a, it's a early, it's a different parish from an Ashkenazi Rishon. That's what he says. He does not explain why. He says that in my notes on Mayukatan, I explain more about it, but sadly, we don't have his notes on Mayukatan. Okay. Now, the Natsiv in Amek Sheila also says, as a, as a, like, like you should know, at least two places I found, he says that the Rashi on Mayukatan is not, on the side of the Gemara is not Rashi, whereas the Rif, the Rashi on the Rif is Rashi. I'm going to explain it in a minute, um, uh, drop more about this. And so, too, another person, um, we'll discuss more about him shortly, Rabbi Yehuda Epstein, he also, in his Sefer Minchas Yehuda, he comes to the same conclusion, then he says, I came across the Radal. Now, I'm not sure what it is that, uh, because none of them elaborate why, and why is it that no one up till this period of time of the 1850s said anything about it? So much so that even a drop earlier than the 1850s, um, a work that only came to print in the in the early 1900s, but it was written by someone that was a chaver of the Pasa Shulchan, in, and he, made, he was in Eretz Yisrael with the Pasa Shulchan, that would date him, that this work seemed to have been written in the 1830s. And he talks about a topic, which we'll also discuss later on today, about shaving on Chalamoy. In the middle of his, the beginning of his, right away in the beginning of his conversation, where he wrote this small little Hebrew on the topic, he says, he starts talking about Rashi on Mayukatan, and he says, Rashi, you have to be medayik in every single word, every letter of Rashi, because we know there's nothing extra in Rashi 
and it's Engladavar Saif, how deep it is. So it's ironic that he says those words on Rashi Amayyukhatan. So it seems no one really knew before the 1850s anything about the um, that there's problems with Rashi. Now, another interesting source is the Karanaira, who also wrote a, a very important work on Mayukhatan. Darachagav, he's talking about a Rashi, and he says maybe it's a Tai cipher. And then he says, um, he says, maybe you could fix the toy cipher. And then he says, I'm Rashi in the riff. And he doesn't explain anything. Like, well, up, why is he showing you the Rashi in the riff? Now, just now to elaborate, a drop more. In general, we know, everyone opens up the Gemara, and you see that in the back there's Rashi on the riff. Now, everyone, I, recently someone even asked me, what is Rashi on the riff? So for most Masechtas, it's not considered a Rashi. Rashi didn't write on the riff. It seems that in most Masechtas, that at some at some point in time, in the late Rishayim period of time, Rif became more used than Gemara. People were learning Rif, um, not Gemara. Sometimes, some people attribute it to the fact that there were burnings of Talmud and Rif was allowed to be around. So they adapted a period, so they took Rashi and they wrote, they didn't bring all of Rashi, but they took parts of Rashi that related to the Rif, and they, and some people, we don't even know who they are, and they put it around the Rif. But in general, it's a question if we could, if we rely on it, how reliable is it? Is it was it completely tampered? But for some reason, my katan, as I, already I'm telling you, the Radal, the Natsiv, the Minchas Yehuda, they say Rashi on the Rif my katan is real Rashi. Now I don't know how they know that, but that's what they say. Okay, um, another interesting point is that which will also play out soon, is the Maretz Chayus, who we said by Msechtas Tainus, he was the first person to say that Tainus might not be Rashi. Um, he says that if you look in the Ein Yankov, also you'll see a lot of pieces of Rashi that he does not find in the Rashi on the printed Shas Vilna. When, actually, he didn't use the Shas Vilna, he's before, but it's not there. What's going on? So he's also pointing out that there's, that there's different Rashis that the printed one on the side of your Gemara that that I'm saying is already from the first printings of Sincino and Bamberg, and they're not, they're in the Enyankiv in the name of Rashi, because the Enyankiv, when he wrote his Pirish, he put on the side Rashi, but he doesn't, but he, a lot of his Rashis that he has is not going to be found in your standard Rashi on the Masechta. Okay, he just points it out, he doesn't know what's Pshat. Okay, fast forward two years later, after the Radal, we said is 1852, a fellow named Yaakov Reifman, writes a whole article in German, and he says that Rashi Amar Katan is not Rashi. Who does he say it is? Rabbeinu Gershom Aragayla, the famous Rabbeinu Gershom Aragayla, one of the G'dayla G'dayla early Rishayinim. And he lists out his, his um, proofs in this article written in German, and that's 1854. Okay. A few years go by, and a fellow named David Ber Tsember, who was a Talmud of the Aruch Lener, writes a small booklet where he discusses Rashi on the Dharam and Amari Katan. He comes out against this Reifman, and he concludes that Rashi on the Rif on this Masech is the real Rashi, but he says the Rashi on the side of the Gemara is also real Rashi. It's just an earlier version, so all the problems that might come up, it's not such a big deal. Rashi updated his parish. That's the one on the Rif. So the Rif, when you open up your Gemara and you use the Rif, Rashi, that's the most updated Rashi, whereas the one on the side of your Gemara, that's Rashi, but it's an earlier edition. Okay, this is going with an assumption that that many people have, that Rashi wrote various additions to his parish. Okay. Um, now, this is, I said, is in 1867. 1869, 
Reb Nassim David Rabinovich, the Baal Diktuke Seifrim, put out his work of Diktuke Seifrim on Masechtas of Beya, and then uh, around then he also did my Katan and Chagiga. In the introduction, he, he says, as a matter of, like, so he doesn't say why, but he says, by the way, Rashi, what do I use for Rashi on this Masechtu Maid Katan? I use a parish of Rabinu Gershom that I have, and um, sorry, he uses a manuscript, and he also says that what we have on the side is not um, Rashi in the standard versions of your of your regular Gemara. That is written by who? Rabbeinu Gershom. This is a similar conclusion to what I said earlier from Yaakov Reifman. But he says this himself. Okay, comes along this Dovber Zimber, and he writes a whole book, uh, well, a small book, and he's very sharp against Nasan Dov Rabbanavit. And they have to understand, they don't just write a claim. They literally go through all the Rashis on the Masechta, pointing out all different problems. And he's, and he's very upset. And he says, I don't understand. First of all, it's not true. It's really Rashi. And then he, he's also upset that the Dukkus Eifim doesn't even bother to mention his work. He says, you know me, and whatever. Okay. The, the Dukkus Seifim writes back about it. And he ends up writing also a small work about this subject to prove his, his method. And he says that anyone who reads Rashi or Ma'itkatan, it's a matter of a feel. If you're familiar with Rashi, you will be able to pick up. It's not the same language as Rashi and Ganshas. Obviously, not everyone is able to do that, but let's say someone like the Duke Seifrim and others, they had this hush they were able to pick up. It's not Rashi. Nothing more to discuss. It's not Rashi. Is it someone close to Rashi? Maybe, yeah, but it's not Rashi. Rashi had a certain amazing kayach of Siva that no one was able to mimic. They they even say there's an old Messiah, everyone heard growing up this, I'm sure, that they say um that Rashi's Enakloch said that we could mimic, I think Rabbi Natam said it, or if not the Rashbam said it, one of them said to mimic Rashi's Pirish on Chumash we could, but Rashi on Shas impossible. Um, I think, but maybe I'm mixing it up. But anyway, the, the point is that Rashi's Persh on Shas is impassable. It, it's written and it's a unique thing. No Rishon was ever able to come to write such a, um, a such a unique Persh with such a part of the uniqueness is also with the such a small amount of words to the exact points. Anyway, the Duke of says, sorry, I disagree with you. And then he, he apologizes to him for not mentioning him in his work. And he, okay, that, that's uh, beyond the scope of this thing, but um, fine. So, that, so, so far we, we, we've reached to, at this point, we're holding in 1869, and we have a few different opinions out there what's going on. Fine. Fast forward. The question is, what in the world is the Dukduki Seifen referring to when he says it's Rabbeinu Gershomer Gaila? What's going on over here? So if you open up Yashas Vilna, you'll see in various Masechtas and Shas, they have on the side a parish called Rabbeinu Gershomer Gaila. What happened is the Shas Vilna, when they were printing the Shas, they want to get you to buy their Shas. So they went and they hunted down Perushim of all types, Rishonim and Achreinim, that they could find in various places and various collections. Lamasha Rabbeinu Hanano, they put on the side. And so too, Rabbeinu Gershom Meragayla. They tracked it down, and they put it on certain Masechtas on the side. This is in the 1880s. Comes along 1896, and a fellow, a very learned person, Avram Epstein, he writes an in-depth article in German, where he says, it's not Rabbeinu Gershom Meragayla. Um, and who is it? It's a, he calls it Perish Magenza, which basically means Talmidim, Talmidim of this of of the of Rabbeinu Gershom Ragayla, but it's not Rabbeinu Gershom Ragayla. He outlines this a very in-depth article. Luckily, 
I don't read German, but it was print. It was translated into uh, Hebrew a few years back, and you could read it easily in in this Hebrew version. It was printed in a journal called Netuim. Okay, now his his findings were accepted today that Perushim that are under the name Rabbeinu Gershom Meir Gaila are really Perush Magenta. It's called okay, but they're. It's not far away from Rashi. This is basically a generation before Rashi. People that Rashi ended up couldn't even met some of them um, are people that are writing these perushim on some of the mesechtas. And one such mesechta is katan, what we have on the side of Aragamar. Okay. Some people throw out, uh, it could be um, uh, from Epstein throws this out as a possibility. Others run with this later uh, later on. Some people go with this. It might really be Rebel Yochum. Others say maybe Rebel Yochum was involved with the parish, but it's not strictly Rabbi Yochum, it's a bunch of people writing it, whatever it is, okay. But it's not Rabbi, but the point is, at this point, we're holding that in 1896, the conclusion is, it's not Rabbi Nagarashim Argaila, but it's somewhat, it's an Ashkenaz parish that is a little before Rashi. Okay, fine. Fast forward to 1939. A, a great Talmud named Ramart Chazak, so he prints a parish, and he calls it Parish Mesechtes Mashkin, which is, we already mentioned the name, of one of the Rishayim, and then he writes in his Agdama, I now found this is the real Rashi on my Katam. Okay. And he, and he proves it based on various proofs of introduction, like people do in their introduction. Comes along Rishlam Yosef Zevin in, a, in his book reviews that came out, um, I believe, two years later, 19, um, around that time, and he writes that it's a great parish. It ain't. He's he's not buying into the fact that it's Rashi. You don't have enough proof that it's Rashi. He's he's Malamid, it's chus. Maybe it is Rashi if you go with Hanacha that Rashi wrote many Maduras. Maybe it's a Madura of Rashi, but he's not he's not going with that. Okay, fine, great. So now we're holding 1939. Another possibility has been thrown out there. Fine. Fast forward to 1961. 1961, a fellow, a Talmud, a Chashev Talmud of Rameh but. Then he, um, to put it mildly, went different ways. Um, World War II tragedies also got involved with that. His name was his name was Ephraim Kufifer, a tremendous, tremendous Talmud Chacham, who was prolific, wrote a lot in Polish about Yiddish history, Jewish history, and also in Hebrew, printed tons of manuscripts. He discovered in 1961 what he claimed to be the Rashi on Masechtas Ma'ir He found this based on a manuscript in, in that that. He worked in the manuscript room in Hebrew University, and he proves Barichos in his Agdama based on various things, such as many quotes of Rishonim in the name of Rashi on the Masechta that are not found in the Rashi on the side of the Gemara are found in this manuscript. And he has other proofs, and he comes to the conclusion in 1961, I found Rashi. To, to um, Now, this Rashi, for example, so it's not only an academic, this academic, um, uh, Frank Kuffer holds like this. Rav David Tzvi Hillman, who's a famous, was a famous person, legendary um, Talmud Chacham that was a Kanoi, but he was prolific also. He's one of the people that worked on various projects, such as the Shapsi Franco Rambam, the Mafteches, and uh, the text. He was a big bucky and all different things. Tremendous Talmud Chacham, put out many Rishonim. He went through very carefully, the Rashi Ma'akatan. He says Rashi Ma'akatan is not a Rashi. He comes to the conclusion it's vice. He says it might even be a Maritz was the one who worked on it because there's too many stirus. We say the final editor. We say it could be this really. That's some parish is not a problem, but someone tampered with it a lot, and that person um, messed messed up. He says, but what is the Rashi? This edition from this Ephraim Kufar is the real Rashi. 
And he just understand, even though he was a uh, uh, but he had this ability of of picking up all these types of things. He he's he's legendary in various aspects that he he had this type of chosh, and he says it's real Rashi. And then he says it would be a great chosh if someone went ahead and reprinted the shas and did it on the side with this Rashi. That's what he says. Another chosh of that comes to the same conclusion. Also tremendous baki tamuchacham niflo who's still alive. Rebecca Chaim Seifer. He also says. Kufr's edition is the real Rashi. So now, if you want to get a hold of a copy of Kufr's edition, you could go to Hebrew Books. They have it. It was printed by Mechol Mekitzin Erdamim, a different time, maybe we'll talk about it. Okay. Art Scroll, Shas, and Oizvahadr Shas, on the side of their Gemara, have a Rashi Miksavyad. What's the Rashi Miksavyad? The Kufr edition. The only difference is, Art Scroll says in Agdama that it's from Kufr, Oizvahadr doesn't. I don't know why not. Maybe early editions of Yisrael did. I'm not sure. A friend of mine told me that he wrote to Rechaim Kanievsky about, about that he saw in a Gemara that used Kufifer's edition without thanking him, and it gave a curse to Rechaim Kanievsky. So he had some type of taina to Rechaim Kanievsky. Rechaim Kanievsky wrote him, I have nothing to do with the decisions, what goes on in the printing of the Gemara. But the point is that these G'daylim, these Chasheva people felt that Rashi is is from that the Kufa edition is Rashi. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Just following the history of how yeah, well, it's well, well, fascinating. Well, but isn't the art scroll print isn't the art scroll print edition Aizahadr? Yeah, but they write They just yeah. They have some type of deal. I, I don't know what the deal was. Yes, it has to. It is from Isaiah. The difference is, but they write Hagdama. They both write Hagdamas, and they think that's the whole difference. Okay. Anyway, the the story the story we're reaching to the conclusion because of um, time. But I just to, I just want to ask three three four more points about it. Um. So you would think, 1961, this guy proves it, he proves it very well, and Yechaim Seifer deals with it, and, and what's his name, Emer David C. Hillman, you would think he'll be finished, the story's over. No, the story's not over, of course. Various people um, check in depth, at least three, four different academics went through this B'iyun, and they came to the conclusions it's not, and they, okay, fine. Then... Then a work came out, Mamish, in, in, this is in 2007, a fellow from Barilan went, and he went through this sugya of Rashi and Marikatam Bi'il. Mamish, every tag shabatag of Rashi and the manuscripts, he comes to the conclusion, this kufifer is 100% right. But he proves it, and obviously time will not allow to go through it, his name is Yaakov Fuchs, um, an excellent job proving beyond the shadow of a doubt that Rashi on the side, which in the st- if you're using art scroll or as other called Xavyad, or you could go to Hebrew books and get the actual thing, Kufifer, it is the real Rashi. And he deals with all the issues that were raised over the time about Rashi on the Masechta. Just to mention um, um, two last points. One that he deals with is as follows. They made a, someone found in the, in the late 70s a major discovery of people always want to know how the Talmud was printed and when was it first printed. So I mentioned to you the dates that I mentioned was 1480s and then the 1520s. Was there any other editions? So it seemed that this was called a bibliographical mystery. 
they didn't know, and then suddenly in 1970, they knew something, but they weren't sure, and then 1979, amazing discovery was discovered of a bunch of fragment pieces, of, of pieces of Gemara that were printed in places in Spanish countries, in Spanish places that were not known up till now. What was interesting is that these, uh, this is in the 1480s, and it might even been the earliest printing of the Talmud, um, just we didn't know about it because the Mamish were almost all destroyed because right then these Yidin in Portugal and everything they had to they were chased out of their land so so almost everything was destroyed miraculously they discovered stuff what happened is these Gemara pieces that they have some of them have Rashi on the side and it turns out it's very daima to the Kufr Rashi so we say there was there there's further evidence that this Rashi existed and the the Italian the Italian printers, the Heinrich Sino and Bramberg, when they printed it in the 1480s and 1520s, they didn't know about this Rashi for some reason. But anyway, okay, this was a discovery based on works of a, of a fellow, Chaim Dimitrovsky, and this Yaakov Fuchs deals with it at length. Now, just to end this thing, um, this part of the discussion, there's a fellow, Yosef Keller, he put out a Rashi on Maid Katan, also based on Kufr and more. It's also available on Hebrew books, um, and his Rashi, and the last step, the last point about Rashi, to conclude with this, because it's just uh, very interesting, I, re um, I reached out to, there's some academics in Barilan that have made some incredible, I call it science fiction programs, that they are able to identify, based, it has to meet certain criteria, but they're able to identify works, sometimes we're not sure if it's a certain work, sometimes a chuva of the Rajba could really be it's the Ramban, they have a whole sophisticated computer program, it has to meet specific um, criteria, as I said, but they to identify if it really might be the Rajra, it might be the Ramban, and they through this tools, they have been able to identify some things, not everything are they able to, um, so I sent them, I asked them, could you check and what's the story with Rashi and Maid Katan? So they spent a lot of time trying to, um, based on what they have, because they didn't have in the computers, in their, in, in Word and in their computer system, they didn't have the Kofar edition and they don't have all the things, but they but they did conclude that it's 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 very, it's it's un, it's not conclusive Rashi on Tainus if you compare it to other Masechtas, but there are certain things, certain characteristics that only appear in Rashi Maid Katan and stuff like that. Um, this is a fellow, Moshe Kopel and Avi Schmidman. They were very kind enough to to um, run this through their programs. And Mir Tashem, eventually taking all the tools that are out there and the conclusions of, of, of about Rashi, such as, let's say, this Fuchs fellow and others, eventually we probably will be able to come to a more accurate, based on computers also, of various Masechtas, if it's Rashi or not. Okay, Adkan, on the um, as I say, just a very bekitzer, I apologize for um, so short, about Rashi on the Masechta. Beautiful. Really, really fascinating. Okay, so let's move right along to the Rishayim. I'm sure there are some of the classic Rishayim, not that many Rishayim on my Katan. So what could you add? Okay, so first I'm going to I'm gonna throw out there very fast. We'll go through this very quickly. Number one, a lost Rishon that seems to have played a major role in the Rishayim. This was brought to, the ten, uh, to my attention by my uncle, Rabbi Spitz, is the Raivid. It's a lost Rishon. You check into it, you'll see that the Raivid appears to have written on my Katan, and Rishayim had, had it and used it a lot. Just not, which is not so. We say that Rishayim that normally quote the Ravik quoted is one thing that you'll find even in this Masechta, but you'll find even the Taisis Rush 
quotes the Ravid something like 75 times in this Masechta, which is unusual. But we don't have the Ravid. It got lost over time. Why that is, is a different story. Okay. Um, we'll discuss some, some of the Rishayim we'll discuss in part two when we talk about Avelis, but let's, the Chidah, I referred to last time, the Chidah is a list of what's the Rishayim on the Masechta, and he lists seven different Masechtas, which Rishayim. My Katan, he lists you one Rishayim, the Ritva. Okay. Now, the Ritva wasn't so common. Already I found that the Hamek Sheila is Miyashiv, that uh, someone asks Akasha, the Bach asks Akasha on a smack, and he says if he would have had the Ritva, he would have realized it's not Akasha. But the rit- even the Ritva wasn't so common. Um, also, interestingly, is there's a Tysis Rid, which is printed in the 1860s um, with Akasha Vaskama the Shalomeshev with Haaris. And the, but um, even though the Chida uses the Rid a lot, I don't know why he didn't mention it on this Masechta. Okay. So at this point, if we're going and we're focusing on the 1860s, already up to the 1860s, there's literally almost no Rishayim on the Masechta. What changes? What changes is in the 1930s, something happens, and a bunch of Svarms suddenly come to print in, the 19, in 1937, I believe. What happened? So many people have heard, you know, there's different Mechons. Today everyone here is Maeser of Kok, and Mechon Yushalayim. An early Mechon, which still exists and does still put out stuff once in a while, it's called Mechon Harry Fischel. So this Harry Fischel, he was a gvir. He supported a lot of institutions. In the 1920s, he came to Eretz Yisrael and he funds a, a building of a beautiful house and base medrash for Rav Cook, which still exists till today. In the 19, 1927, he realizes he only has daughters. There's not going to be a shame. His name is not going to have a future. He wants to have his, a a cum of his name for the future. He has a meeting with Rav Cook in the This is 1927. They come to the conclusion they should open up an institute for. Tyra um, to train people that they'll put it, they'll also put out works, etc. etc. Okay, Rav Cook heads this organization, um, they they build it, they have a bunch of different um, people come from all over to join to try to join. They pick out their um, their they pick out from I think it was 50 different people that um, try to apply, they pick out um, after extensive testing, oral and written, oh, sorry, there was 102 applicants. 52 came back for the oral. This is he, this Harry Fischel wrote a um, he wrote a part of an autobiography, and Mikitzer eight at the end, 18 people pass. These people um, end up working in the Mahone. and fine. He discusses at length about it. Okay. Now, 1935, so this Mahone's going on for a few years. 1935, Rav Cook is very, very sick. It's right before he dies. He realizes that they're going to need um, someone to run the Mahone. So they hire the very well-known person, Rochelle Lieberman. And Rochelle Lieberman becomes the head of the Mahone, and he's the person in charge. And they start working on, they continue working on different projects because Rav Cook was not able to, he was very sick already at the time. Now, when Rav Cook we know already from the few years before, Rav Cook, when he created this Mahon, they, they had outlined a bunch of projects, and there's even a Sefer Hayoyvil that came out, Lechvoid, um, one of uh, Harry Fischel's visits, discussing all the projects that Rav Cook was working on and others were working on um, until Rav Cook died. Okay. Rav Cook dies, they decide to put out Svarim Amayit Katan from manuscript that didn't exist up till now. The first parish that they put out is a Me'iri. It was never printed on Mayukatan before. They put out the Chedushi Haran. They put out a Taisis Rush. And then they put out a Sefer called, they call it the Shita L'Talmur V'chil Mi Pariz. 
Okay, so basically what happens is, in one period of time, the people of this machon, funded by Harry Fischel, the, the, in the year they were cooked as nifter, footnoted and everything, um, they put out these four Rishayim, they're all available on Hebrew books, um, and they've been reprinted a few times with footnotes done properly based on the manuscripts. So already in one quick year, you got four Rishayim knocked off. Okay, 1957, um, um, a fellow Rabbi Mirsky puts out a Rimalunil, another Rishon, also a Malka. So you already got already a few more. So so far in the 50s, you're able to learn. You're already able to learn more. Okay, we fast forward to 1966. A Machon Talmud Israeli puts out a bunch of Rishonim a Malkatan. Um, it's they put out just to list them. They put out a Rabbeinu Gershom Turns out this Rabbeinu Gershom Aragayla relating to our discussion earlier with Rashi, that's going to fit into that whole story. We won't get into it. They put out the Tysus Rid based on manuscripts. So although I mentioned Tysus Rid was printed, but they redo it. They put out a, a Likutum of a Sefer Aner, a Talmud of a, a possibly a Talmud of the Rajba, and some other material on the Masechta, a nice fat volume on the Masechta. I think it actually might still be available for purchase. So basically, the world of Rishayim suddenly in the 60s is, explodes. And one, um, but uh, one last thing, just to mention, as far as 2021, the Kaivitz Yerushasenu, someone prints a, an article based on manuscripts of Rabbi Chilmi Paris Amayt Katon. I had just mentioned that Mechon Talmi Israeli printed something from Rabbi Chilmi Paris. This is another uh, Pirish. This might be actually him. That might be a Talmud, but they're from the same school. Anyway, bottom line is, Adkan, Rishonim, there's more Rishonim, we're just mentioning some about them on the Masechta. That's the story for Rishonim for right now. Rabbi after you finish giving these historical backgrounds and all the proliferation of Rishonim, I feel like Lafayette are going to need more time of their day to start learning the Ian. That's the idea. That's the idea. Okay, fine. So now that we're going to have more time now day to learn Rishonim, maybe we'll find a few more minutes to learn Achreinim. What Achreinim okay. are there? What are the modern day Svarim? Okay, so we'll do this very fast. So first, we, we've already discussed on, on, on Tainus that there's a Sefer, a Chash of a Sefer, the Karen Ira. So he also has a very thorough Sefer on Mayit Katun. Another Sefer that's written really on Shas, but he has a nice amount of Mayit Katun also, worth mentioning, is a, he was a, he was, his name is Yehuda Epstein. He wrote a Sefer called Minchas Yehuda. He was Zaycha to learn Shasbichavrusa with the Nachos David. He learned in Valajan, but he, he was rich. And he was also at some point he learned Bichavrusa Shas with the Nachos Dava, which is a remarkable thing. Nachos Dava is a Talmud Muvak of Rechaim Valajan. This Sefer has, is fascinating on um, many different fronts, but what's, what's important for us is it talks about Maikatan. I believe it's available on Hebrew books also. Another Litvish Sefer, not much is known about the author, is a Sefer called Taisus Aaron. It's also available on Hebrew books. Very unique Sefer. Has very Chashavas Kamas of, of Litvish contemporaries of his. And the Sefer is unique because he also talks, he also he was also into Kabbalah, um, and he also um, had great Havana in areas relating to astronomy. He also has a little bit on Rosh Hashanah he talks about. Anyway, he has a nice amount of Maikatan, a nice Sefer to check out. And then there's two last two achreinim of of uh, of achreinim before we get to more contemporary. Number one is a sefer called Ksenus Passim. Ksenus Passim was written by a great gain, also a Valajaner Talmud, um, and this great gain, his name was Rabbi Yaakov Mipadua, and he um, 
He was prolific. It was a Talmud, a Talmud, a chash of a Talmud of Reb Chaim Valajner, and he wrote on the Nemuke Yosef because it's not. It's actually um, it's the Nemuke Yosef on the side in the, in the back with the riff. So some people say it's actually the Ran, and a lot of Masechtas there's always a big tumult. Is it the Ran? Is Nemuke Yosef? And that's its own big discussion. From my katan, he says it's a Davar Pashut. Um, he wrote a whole sefer on various mesechtas of the of the Muki Yosef calls it Ksenis Pasim, and he says as a Davar Pashut that the sefer on the back of the Gemara it's the Muki Yosef, and um, and that's also available also on Hebrew books. Now, just to mention with him a fascinating uh, a story I, I recently came I recently put to, put together like this. There's a book, um, an incredible book, growing up in yeshiva. My Rosh Hashiva, Reb Zalik Epstein, was very fond of quoting this book. It's called Hagadol Miminsk. This is how it looks. It's a book about the Argadol, the Minsker Gadol. Now, what's significant about this book, it's not like most Gedalian books, it's, is that the author was a Talmud Chacham that knew his subject, the Minsker Gadol, well. He lived in his house for a few years. He was the Malamud of the Minsker Gadol's um, he was the Malamra of the Minsker Gadol's children for a few years. Some of them ended up becoming tremendous Talmud Chacham. And the book is full of unbelievable insight and stories about Litta and other things. And here he has a story about the Minsker Gadol when he's very young. And he's a tremendous politician. And he's learning in shuls. He, he, he was learning in various shuls and he was very let down. Um, he felt, he was, let's say, 10, 12 years old, and he felt that the Mahal Halima that people were learning, they were learning, but he didn't like it. It just wasn't talking to him. People were breaking their heads, spending full days learning the Masha um, and, and a line in a Taisus or something, and he just, he didn't he didn't go for it. And his father was nervous. His father wasn't a Talmud Chacho. And his father was very nervous. So he brought him to this this author of the Ksenis Passam, um, and he brought his son to him, and he had a whole conversation with him, and he said to and the Mitzvah Gadol, in this book, it records this whole back and forth that he had with the Ksenis Passam. And the Mitzvah Gadol says that sometimes you can have a conversation with someone that's a game changer for the rest of your life. This conversation that he had with this Gadol, the Ksenis Passam, was changed him. And what, what he said was, in short, it's written very well as a side, besides for the book being um, an excellent book and reliable, it's extremely well written. It's so well written that the author was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, sometimes it's very hard to even understand his language, because he, the author was a Merdeka Bucky in the Hebrew language, there's tons and tons of footnotes they had to give it out to tremendous Talmud Chacham to figure out what it meant, anyway, make a long story short, what was the story, what does he tell this young Minsker Gadol, no, he wasn't the Minsker Gadol at the time, he says that sometimes it's true, you shouldn't break your head the whole day learning a Masha, but it's still important to learn some to, to that's how you open up your mind so to speak you have to spend some time on uh, let's say the marshal as an example because after you get familiar breaking your head with the lashon then later on it will be much easier to learn it and then and and then and there are many important ones but so there has to be like some middle ground but you have to spend time on it and he says let me show you an example he pulls them out in a muki yosef says look at this piece of the muki yosef and then so the mitzvah Gadol says a pshat and he says no it's not true he says it's a good shot, but if you understand the signon, the lashon of the Nemuki Yosef, which I'm now telling you is excited, he was the author of the work on the Nemuki Yosef called Passam, you'll understand not, and he tells, shows the Minsker Gadol, and the Minsker Gadol, and he convinces Minsker Gadol, and then whatever. Okay, the rest is, 
as they say, is history. Okay, one last work on Masechtus Mayakaton is a sefer called Matzeves Maisha. This work um, is also by Lutfish Gadol. Um, this Lutfish Gadol wrote many svarim on the on Masechtus and Shas. His name was Ramesha Betzal Luria. He wrote on Sukkah, Mayakaton Yavamas, and, and a bunch of other Masechtus, prolific. He also wrote a sefer on the Rektanti and the Tajmas. In manuscript, he left behind a sefer on the Parnas, which only a few years ago came out, V.I. Mechon Yerushalayim. Um, they finally printed it. Now, the Matzevis Maisha was printed after he died. His son printed it. It was printed in 1924. Uh, just one fascinating piece of information that the son writes in this Hagdama. He says, my father was a very gifted Tamachacham. It seems he was a very big, uh, smart Balkishrin. And it seems that in the town where he was, the Maskilim got him, and he was being, and they, they, he was learning with them already, and he, maybe he had, he had um, and it seems they almost got him, I mean to say, and they, I guess they told him he's going to be a great professor. Something happened, and Baruch Hashem, he left, and he ended up going to Valojan, he ends up learning a Valojan, he ends up having to do Rubitz Valchan, and he becomes a great, he gets a Steller, and becomes a great Rav, and a prolific um, writer, and what's interesting, you always hear about certain people, they say about different people, oh, they had some type of story, they have some type of story with, um, with, uh, what's his name, with Haskala, here's one that his son is writing about him, and he successfully won, and he became the great guy and prolific writer. Okay, now just to conclude very fast, is that Masechtis Marikatan, people always complain not, we don't have, contempt. I don't mention contemporary farms, so let's just fast mention. First, there's a safer Aris of very, very good. There's also a Sefer of Reb Shlem Zalman Orbach Shirim and notes on the Masechta, very useful. Um, another Sefer is Magidim Chadashim. I happen to enjoy the Sefer a lot, but Amir Tzashem will discuss him more when we get to Masechta's Chagiga, Bli Neder. Um, and now, to conclude, the contemporary topics of the Masechta. So the Me'iri already writes, that, which people know very well, Masechta deals with Chalamoid and Avelis. And then Shvius gets mixed in. So for Chalamoid, just to mention, not to go into, just to mention it, I, I don't want to get shot over here. Number one, the Sefer on the Masechta, which I believe Art School recently reprinted it, but it was printed in the 70s, um, in the early 70s, or in 1981, from David Zucker and Ramesha Francis, called Chalamoid. Art School re reissued it. It has tons of, it's, it was always considered the Sefer on the Masechta. Um, not the Sefer on the Masechta, and the Sefer on Hilchas Chalamoid, also has very reliable psukim, uh, many psukim from Rav Maisha and from the Debretzina. Okay, that's one contemporary Sefer on the Masechta, uh, sorry, the topic of Chalamoid. Another Sefer is the Kutei Alachas on Chalamoid from Rav Shapsi Vidiger. Um, also another important Sefer, another Sefer to mention is Rav Yukasil Farkas, wrote a Sefer called Chalamoid Kilchasai. And there are many others, um, not to take away from them, I just can't list them all. And then, as Chalamoid and related to this Masechta, is, there's controversies, like everything else in Halacha. So just to point out one, two svarim on that. One is, shaving on Chalamoid, everyone knows, a big tumble about it. So there's a beautiful sefer from Meir Benio called Giluach on Chalamoid. One last sefer relating to Chalamoid is a massive safer seeing is believing so they say it's this fat it is um it's called charge minig ashkenaz what is it about it is 916 pages about the topic of wearing tefillin on chalamoid fascinating fascinating topic um 
also relating, it also relates to our Masechta, the Raya, some of the Raya. Okay, fine. Now, that is the the Svarim relating to Chalmoid. I'd just like to conclude, because it gets in the Aderich Agav, and because we're in the year of Shemitah, I'm not going to speak about Barichos. I just have to, I feel we have to list, list them, some of them. Basically, a few Shemitahs ago, I walked into a Svarim store in Eretz Yisrael, and I said, What's, how many Svarim are there out in Shemitah? So they just began, and we have over 75. And this was not even a big Svarim store. Today, if you go into anywhere in Eretz Yisrael, Svarim come out every other day about Shemitah still, and they're still coming out. I don't, I'm not aware of any recent bibliographies collecting all this, just to mention, because it relates a little bit over here. So for me, I'm an Eretz Yisrael, it's Shtikl and Yon and I'm just going to spend one minute listing some names. Number one, Ada Yoim, one of the best essays, is an essay from Rezevan in Lar Halacha. Just gives you a background from the classical svarim, Rav Kook's Mishavas Aretz, Archa Shulchan Aser, the Chazanish, the Pasa Shulchan. Had, there's an edition that has the Ridbazes Aretz, very important. Of course, we can't go without mentioning the Madani Aretz of Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach. Incredible, incredible safer. Of course, at one point it was printed to change it a little bit, and then it was to kilo kasher it up, and then later on it was more released in the proper edition. Fine. Derech Hamun of Kanievsky, it's being learned here, Yaim of everyone, and it's an incredible work. You have the works of Kalman Kahana, we have the famous safer Shemitah from Rav Tukashinsky. Of course, the, it goes on and on and on. Contemporary. And new works keep on coming out. They put out. They just recently put out a Rav Yosef Engel Sefer. They reissued the Hart Tzvi from Tzvi Pesach Frank's material. Rav Avad Yosef. They made a new edition of all his Pirates on Shemitah. A friend of mine, Rebellion Greenswig. They also just collected his essays on Shemitah. And to conclude about history, um, um, sorry, about in a week, about, about a week, a new Sefer that um, somehow it has some connection to me is supposed to is supposed to be coming out from manuscript of Ravrinus. On Shemitah from that was never printed before, and just to conclude with history, there's an excellent sefer, two volumes so far from Rabbi Hutner called Ubashana Hashvius. Looks like this. It's a fascinating two fat volumes on the topics of Shemitah, and also there's the essays it could be found online of Etam Henkin Hashem Yinkam Domai on the topics of Shemitah available to read and get some information about it. That Adkan Part One. On the wow. on my wow, amazing! And you're not going to mention any Shmita controversies, or we don't have we're out of time. No, we're out of time. So the ad, I already, I already stuck it in Derech loophole. So to go into it out of safe, Adkan. Okay, Yeshikayach, Rabbi Doctor Eliezer Brat. Let's look forward in the next uh, week or two on the edition, specifically on Avelos. Everybody, continue learning more cotton. Don't stop. And we'll hear what Rebel Yezer has to say on Avelos.